What's the secret to your hair, Dr. Lisa? I get that question so much. And what I have changed recently is using my Nourish Collagen Peptides from the Nourish Balance Thrive line. As you know, before I ever put my name on anything, I test it out for months. And so therefore, I have been using this product for a long time before it ever became available to you guys. Why am I loving this product so much more than any other ones that I've ever used? A, this is grass-fed collagen. So if you are dealing with post-COVID hair loss, if you are dealing with a Hashimoto's diagnosis or a hypo or just low thyroid diagnosis and you're losing your hair, or maybe you're noticing your hair just isn't as thick as it used to be when you were in your 20s, right? There's so many of us noticing that. You might want to add some collagen into your routine. And the Nourish Collagen Peptides is from grass-fed cows, so you're going to love that. You're not going to get all the nasty hormones or whatever else that might be in conventional products. I am always looking for the cleanest source available. What else? If you're looking in the mirror and you're noticing those laugh lines, or if you can pinch your skin and it doesn't like rebound back as fast as it used to, that means the elasticity of your skin just isn't there and we want to rebuild it, nourish it so it can thrive, right? So the Nourish Collagen Peptides will do just that. And obviously as a chiropractor, I love this because it is good for your joint health as well. So Nourish Collagen Peptides has type 1 and type 3 collagen peptides in it, which are great for, like I said, hair, skin, and nails. So if you are dealing with laugh lines or thinning hair or creaky joints, you're going to want to grab a container of the Nourish Collagen Peptides. You can mix it into your smoothies, into your coffee. You can mix it into like your brownies if you're eating that drlisao.com, click the shop link or click the link below. An Ironic Media Production. Visit us at I-R-O-N-I-C-K media.com. Hey there, Rockstar. I'm so glad you're here. I know you've been struggling for a while, trying to figure out why things just aren't changing. I've been there. I get you. I see you. I know how hard you're trying. I'm here to let you know that there's light at the end of the tunnel, and I'm here to teach you the simple steps to becoming that healthy, vibrant, best version of you. Are you ready? Let's do this. All right, it's another episode. It's just you and me, and we're going to talk a lot of natural health type stuff today. And especially, we're going to deep dive with our focus today is going to be sugar. It's going to be on attention deficit. And I'm going to give you some tidbits here with some more natural health type things. Because first and foremost, I am a chiropractor, right? I am a chiropractor. I'm also a naturopath. But um, I've seen a lot of amazing stuff over the 20 years of my practice. And I really want to share some simple healthy living tidbits. So that way you can help yourself. You can help your family members. uh, You can help those little people in your life. Because... Here is the reality. We can change a lot of different things, but um, chiropractic is pretty spectacular. And once I understand, or once people understand what chiropractic actually is doing, uh, we tend to see a greater understanding of their body. So if you're not familiar with chiropractic, it's not just a headaches and back pain type thing. I know the last like 40 years or so since like the 80s, the insurance companies typically say, hey, you guys are all really good for headaches and back pain. And that's about all. Well, that's where the research came. That's what the insurance paid for. So unfortunately, like society has really pretty much looked at chiropractic as, hey, headaches and back pain. 
I'm going to give you a little bit. I'm going to give you the history. We're not going to go so geeky and boring. And I want you to understand where we're coming from. But really, chiropractic is dealing with the brain and the spinal cord and making sure those messages are sent properly. So when those bones go out of place, what we call a subluxation, the brain can't send the right signals to where it needs to go. How did we figure this all out, right? Um, D.D. Palmer is the founder of chiropractic in the late 1800s. The story goes that D.D. Palmer was a magnetic healer. There was a janitor in the building in the Brady on Brady Street, right? The Ryan building, who had apparently lost his hearing years before. And he had communicated to Palmer that it was when he bent over to pick up a box, he stooped over, he felt something like basically pop, he lost his hearing. Um, Palmer then theorized, if he felt something pop in his spine, what if he pushed on an area? And so Palmer did. And lo and behold, Harvey Lillard regained his hearing. The story goes that he could hear the clanking of the horses out on the road below, on Brady Street below. So here, this is the late 1800s. Think of this, like blood controlled everything at that time period. Andrew Taylor still, you know, he was starting osteopathy. His theory was that they were manipulating bones to get the blood flow going. Like they were leaching blood. Think of that. Like that was what was happening. Like it's crazy now to think of it, but that was what that's the era that Palmer was in. So Palmer, like anybody else, hey, I just found a cure for deafness, right? Like, come on, let's get real. Deaf guy, all of a sudden he can hear again. So there was the next person he worked on, and that person did not regain their hearing. However, their heart condition got better. So this is when Palmer then theorized, what if, what if the brain controls everything? Crazy talk, right? Like I just said, blood controls everything, late 1800s. What if the brain controls everything? And what if the spinal cord is just an extension of the brain? And what if, if those bones are out of place, we put them back into the right place? What if it sends the right signals to those organs? And so let's fast forward 120 some odd years later, we do know the brain controls everything, right? Your brain is constantly sending signals. And what I always tell our patients in our practice It is sending you signals and it gives, your body is so intelligent. Your body will give you warning signs. It gives you like a flashing oil sign to let you know, like if it's on your car, right? Oil light is flashing. Take care of this. What does it do? Your body gives you symptoms to let you know that something's going on. But unfortunately, what's happened in our society, we have been trained to cover up those symptoms and we'll deal with it later. So that's literally like driving your car down the expressway. You've got a dashboard full of duct tape because you're covering up all these warning lights. And now the engine blows out and you're standing there on the side of the road saying, why didn't the car tell me anything was wrong? Well, guess what? You did. You covered it up. And it's how we live our life now. We cover up the symptom. We have a headache. We're going to take an aspirin. We're going to take some sort of anti-inflammatory, right? We're going to get rid of that pain. You have reflux. Let's take another medication. You've got this. We're going to power through that. We're going to forget this. And then all of a sudden, something really like brings you to your knees and you're like, I don't know what happened, right? Like I woke up at 40 and I feel lousy. What has happened? I did not want to feel this way. So simple, sustainable steps. 
And that's why I am, you know, a family wellness practitioner. I take care of kids in the practice. I take care of babies. And oftentimes people are like, well, why would you take a baby to a chiropractor? Well, guess what? I have been under chiropractic care since the day I was born. My parents recognized that I had a brain and a spinal cord. I had a nervous system. I had bones in that spine. That's why I have been under chiropractic care since the day I was born. Right? So I also know by looking at people's spines that have been under care for decades, they literally look so much better. It's just like, I mean, we teach our kids to take care of their teeth. We take our kids to the dentist. We never teach to take care of our, or take care of our spine, right? There's a common theme or a common um, phrase within chiropractic. Like if your spine was on your face, you take better care of it. We don't see it. We don't think about it. We take care of our teeth, but hey, here's the deal. Your teeth wear out, you can get dentures. Your spine wears out, you're out of luck right? So let's keep those bones moving. Let's keep them healthy. Let's decrease the risk of some of the arthritis, the degeneration. But most importantly, we want to make sure your brain is sending the right signals to the rest of the body. So today I want to deep dive. We're going to talk about sugar and the role on attention deficit. But I also want you to realize if there's something underlying, just if the kids are misaligned, here's the research. It came out of Germany. This was like 1980s. This is old times. And so it's only increased. You can guarantee it. But at that point, maybe it wasn't the 80s. I'm not sure of the year, but it did come out of Germany. They knew that with a regular delivery during a birth process, like regular vaginal delivery, 80% of children have the top two bones misaligned. Think of all the interventions that we have now with cesarean sections and all that. It's only increased that. So the majority of us go through the birth process and we're misaligned just from that. But say you're one of the few percentages that got out of the birth canal A-okay without a misalignment. Tell me a kid that didn't fall when they were learning to walk, right? It happens. You think of the smacks and falls that we've taken. So what happens is bones misalign. And so then we can start seeing a lot of different issues with our kids. And so this is why I love taking care of children. They respond so much faster than adults. Um, we, they don't have near the amount of injuries in their spine as what we do as adults. Um but I also love taking care of my adults because they can give us some really amazing feedback too. Things like attention deficit. Um, you know, I'm not saying that chiropractic is a cure for attention deficit. I'm not saying that. But I have seen patients literally state, I think clearer after my adjustment. I am more focused after my adjustment. I can tell my kids are more focused after their adjustment. So let's make sure the nervous system is functioning properly. I mean, we take care of people from all over the world, but literally you don't have to go, you know, come to Michigan to come see me. Uh, you literally like, yeah, we can find you a chiropractor. And so we can even put different links below in my show notes here as to how to find a really good quality chiropractor. Um, I do upper cervical chiropractic. It's a specific technique that I do. So that's why we've got people that literally um, drive in from all over. Uh, my gosh, all over Michigan, all over Ohio, all over Indiana to come into our office. But we do literally have some people that will travel to see us too. Not uncommon. Prior to COVID, we actually had people that would cross the border from Canada. That's just can't happen anymore. Whole different phase of practice. So there's your little intro on chiropractic. So let's talk sugar. We already spoke. We, man, we did that whole podcast. If you missed that one, go back, check out that other podcast. So that way you understand where all the sugars are showing up because a lot of us don't even realize it, but you're basically eating 21 and a half teaspoons of sugar every day without even knowing it. And so 
you know, think back to the 90s. I was a kid of the 80s and then, you know, college and high school in the 90s. My God, they taught us then that fat was bad and that we needed, you know, we took out all the fat. You take out something, you got to add in something else. So all those stupid snack well cookies that we ate, like I think of the boxes of cookies that I ate that fit because I was on Weight Watchers and it fit all the points. Come on, get real. Um, if you take something out, you got to fill it up with something else. And so they obviously filled it up with carbohydrates. They filled it up with sugar. No wonder we are fat as a society. No wonder we're unhealthy. No wonder we're inflamed. No wonder we got all sorts of crap happening, right? So we got to go back and undo what we've been taught because we were taught wrong. Like go back. I don't know which episode it is, but go back and listen to the one I did with Dr. Willie Villarreal. My God, it was so good. It's like sugar, heart disease, and cholesterol. Came out maybe like, oh, December of 2020, maybe. We've had tons of downloads on that. He really will talk about what happened. <laughs> maybe I need to do a whole episode on that to help you realize like why like, we've been lied to, you guys. If the last two years haven't woke people up, like we have been lied to on so many things. And just here I'm watching all my stuff turns glitchy. Man, I love how this stuff works out. Uh, as soon as we start telling the truth, everything starts freezing on us. Um, but I always tell, you know, like, there's, there's no money in healthy people. Sugar makes you sick. Like, that's the reality. Sugar breeds disease. Like, cancer cells love sugar. And that's what I hate is, like, we've been in a pandemic. They forced you in your house. So you weren't exposed to bacteria. So your immune system decreased that way. We didn't get outside to make any vitamin D. That decreased our immune system. We ate a lot of shit. We drank a lot. That tanks our immune system. Alcohol breaks down to sugar, guys. Like, they set us up to be sick. And now we wonder why everybody's going out and everybody's got a head cold and we can't figure out what's going on. <laughs> Like I, it, it just, the whole thing makes me angry, but I mean, that's a whole tirade and y'all dig this stuff. Cause I'm going to tell you when I go through, um, our downloads on our podcast here, the ones that we get controversial on are our highest downloads. So I think you guys are searching for that information and I'm happy to be here to give you the other side of the story of what we're not getting. So, and again, I'm glitching. I can tell my screen is freezing and my audio is freezing. So I'm hoping this is going through okay in all the recordings. So are you ready? Let's talk sugar. So let's, we know, we know the last how many decades the amount of children diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or ADHD um, has consistently increased. The CDC has actually estimated that one in 10 children now are diagnosed um, by their parents, by their parents to be ADHD. How about this? I just remember in college where everybody thought it was a cool diagnosis to have. Like we were just like <laughs> ADHD. Yeah, no, it, mm -mm, mm -mm, not necessarily. So roughly about 5.4 million children are diagnosed throughout the U.S. These are old stats. I'd be curious to know now after two years of a pandemic of keeping our kids in masks and all sorts of other stuff and teaching them via Zoom because, you know, that's conducive for health. So um, half of those five and a half million children are treated with meds. So anyone can tell you that the number of children and adults 
labeled with this disorder has obviously increased over the last however many decades. So the specific symptoms associated with ADHD and the criteria for the diagnosis of such a disorder include that obvious hyperactivity, right? That person is unable to focus, they're impulsive, they're distracted easily, uh, they make mistakes of thoughtless nature, and they might even talk excessively. If you're not watching this one and you're listening by audio, I just have a, uh, just a face right now. Like, that sounds like most four and five-year-olds that I know, right? I would probably be diagnosed ADHD too, because now at this point of not, you know, being locked in my house for two years and <laughs> not really, I've been able to live my life. But yeah, you know what? I get talkative. I have a podcast now, right? So this is why. So would I be, a, I mean, come on. Like, okay, so we, we've labeled it, but let's also talk about what we can do holistically. All right. Um, so typical medical treatment includes drugs. We know that. We absolutely know that. So what drugs do they use? Stimulants typically in amphetamine or methamphetamine. What? What? Yes. Why do they use these? Because they increase the levels of dopamine and norepinephrine outside the cell or extracellular. It can also be treated with other meds that selectively uptake norepinephrine. Um, but what are dopamine and norepinephrine? They're neurotransmitters within the brain. All right. So what's a neurotransmitter? At the very simplest, neurotransmitters are chemical messengers in your brain. And we're going to really deep dive into dopamine. So I want you to remember that word. So although a lot of parents believe there's a correlation with sugar intake and hyperactivity, there's a lot of big institutions out there that say otherwise. Again, this is like an eye roll, right? <laughs> because I witness it. You've witnessed this. So such institutions, kind of like Harvard, have said otherwise. There was an earlier study that demonstrated that increased ADH symptoms um, with an increased use of sugar. But then the following studies on refined sugar consumption and increased symptoms of ADHD showed otherwise. Uh, what I find interesting, this is me from my perspective, I find it very interesting to note that in the studies, the subjects were either fed sugar or sugar substitutes. Like, sugar? So you're getting refined sugar or you're getting like aspartame and sucralose. So you're still getting like the sweet stuff, but you're getting artificial sweeteners of that. Can you figure out why that study seems off to me? Right. So what about like sugar versus a clean diet? <laughs> How about sugar versus no sugar in the diet? No sweetness in the diet. It's probably why they're doing it because it's hard to do that for it. But maybe you could find some kids that actually, because I know a whole lot of them, that they don't get sugar, right? Like it's their probiotics that are their little gummies or their vitamins that are their candy treats and they don't know what sugar is. It is possible. It absolutely is possible. So um, even further, there's a study based out of England that correlated increased hyperactivity symptoms when children consumed foods with preservatives and artificial food coloring. <laughs> I can't make this stuff up, you guys. I'm serious. Like hyperactivity symptoms of children increased with artificial preservatives and food coloring. However, when comparing it to artificial sweeteners like to and uh, to sucrose, there can't be that correlation. Like, let's just look at it. Like the kids had the same response with artificial sweeteners as they did with sugar and all this stuff. So you can't make a court like 
this is insanity to me, but this is how like the research is. So when they say there's no effects of sugar on hyperactivity, let's let's dig deeper. Let's follow what exactly does it say? So about 10 years ago, 2011, there was a medical doctor that uh, Richard Johnson researched the effects of sugar on the brain and the symptoms of ADHD. So this study included looking at the areas of the brain related to the rewards and the reduction of dopamine D2 receptors due to the disturbance in dopamine signaling. So again, dopamine is a neurotransmitter in the brain. What does the neurotransmitter do? It helps to coordinate movement and emotion emotion. So what could be causing this disruption in dopamine signaling? It's so interesting to note that in addictions, both drug and food addictions, as well as obesity, there's a similar altered pattern of dopamine signaling that is present. So do you think sugar could have addictive properties? So Johnson and his team did acknowledge that genetics could play a role in ADHD. However, the literature, literature showed that a small percentage of those diagnosed with ADHD is actually genetic. The author suggested that due to the significant increase of ADHD seen over the last decades, there may be outside factors contributing to it. One of the factors may include the chronic use of sugar in the diet not only correlating the effects of sugar intake on ADHD, but what's more even um, more interesting are that the findings suggested that chronically ingesting excessive sugar has the same effect on dopamine signaling, similar to those in other addictions. Remember listening in the sugar podcast, if you didn't, a couple episodes earlier, sugar is an addictive substance. So there's a reason why you want to limit the sugar intake for your kids, right? I always think of like the day after Halloween, I would not want to be a school teacher. (laughs) I don't think I'd want to be a school teacher for several weeks after maybe again, Halloween through Valentine's day. I don't want to be a school teacher because of all of the sugar that these kids are ingesting and trying. Oh my gosh, no wonder there's ants in their pants, you know? So come on. Um, So Johnson gold and Johnson, Their basic hypothesis included, and I'm quoting here, the initiating process that leads to the development of ADHD is excessive sugar or sweetener intake, resulting in enhanced dopamine release. Over weeks to months, this leads to a reduction in D2 receptors and D2 receptor-mediated signaling. In response, sugar intake increases. However, over time, the dopamine response to sugar slowly decreases and the intervening periods are associated with a reduction in in striatal dopamine levels. So as a consequence, frontal lobe sensitivity to natural reward is reduced, resulting in the development of behaviors such as overeating and ADHD. So let me say that again. Because we're reducing the dopamine levels, The consequences, the frontal lobe sensitivity to natural reward is reduced, which results in the development of behaviors such as overeating and ADHD. So we need more and more to reach that reward level of feeling, whether it's satiated or whatever, like that high that we want, it's taking more and more. So just stay with me for a second. So this sounds like an 
addiction, right? So let's continue to look at the study. I'm quoting, 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 quoting. Recurrent stimulation of dopamine in the ventral striatum and dorsal striatum by drugs such as cocaine or heroin can lead to addiction-like behaviors. So did you catch that? Like, did you, like, literally, did you catch that? Repeated stimulation of dopamine by certain drugs can lead to behaviors of addiction. So what is common in those two little blips that I just said? Repeated stimulation of dopamine can lead to behaviors of addiction. One paragraph spoke of drugs like heroin and cocaine, and the other one spoke about sugar. Right? Like wide-eyed. Yes, we've heard it a lot that sugar is as addictive as heroin, as, as cocaine, we're seeing this. So as they stated in the study, chronic sugar intake and ADHD show changes in dopamine and D2 receptor signaling similar to drug addiction. This is me adding the emphasis. So sugar is an addiction. Are you okay with feeding your child an addictive substance? One that has the same effect on their brain as something like heroin or cocaine. Like, I'm going to lay it out flat to you and it puts it in perspective, right? So we'll like continue to deep dive into the study. I'll put some of the links below too. So in scanning the brain through positron emission tomography, so it's PET scanning or PET technology, scientists are able to see how the brain adapts in cocaine and heroin addiction. Studies show that there is a reduction in D2 receptors in the parts of the brain related to rewards. So in rats, some studies show a decreased number of D2 receptor sites before drug exposure, indicating that some could be predisposed to addiction. However, these studies show that repeated dopamine release from the ingestion of a substance can cause downregulation of D2 receptors which in turn increases the likelihood of one to an addictive behavior. Sugar stimulates the release of dopamine. So what does that mean? The more sugar you eat, the more it turns it down at the receptor sites, which in turn means you need more and more sugar to get the same type of response. So again, what does it sound like? an addictive behavior, right? So even more interesting is when researchers studied the effects of sugar on lab rats. Rats were allowed to eat sucrose or sugar for 12 hours over a three-week period. These rats actually binged on sugar during these time periods. When they withheld the sucrose from the animals, they demonstrated withdrawal symptoms, <laughs> including four-paw tremors, shaking of the head, and chattering of the teeth. You guys, they stopped their sugar. They withdrew their sugar. And these rats had four paw tremors, shaking of the head, and chattering of the teeth. Researchers also noted that those animals that overate on sugar demonstrated a heightened sensitivity to drugs of abuse. Literally, quote, a heightened sensitivity to drugs of abuse. The conclusion? That repeated exposure to sugar in the diet may actually cause addiction. 
let me say it again, repeated exposure to sugar in the diet may actually cause an addiction. And how about this? That involves behaviors similar to those seen with classical drug addiction. This is quoting. That involves behaviors similar to those seen with classical drug addiction. So studies continue to show how the brain adapts to sugar consumption. Certain areas of the brain that respond normally when food is in ingestion respond differently, significantly differently when sugar is ingested. Palatable foods do cause a release of dopamine in the brain. However, when sugar is consumed consistently, rats needed a larger amount of sugar for a similar dopamine response. The brain does indeed react to sugar as it would a drug when the rate, um, when the rate is needing more and more for a similar response. So when given sugar for 40 days, these rats demonstrated the same effect with rewards. Again, needing more sugar for the same reward effect. And it became very interesting to note that they continuously became, quote, resistant to punishment, foot shock, paired with eating. So by consistently increasing their food consumption, these rats obviously became obese as well. But noting that they became unaffected to the shocking of their feet demonstrates a numbing effect of what happens to the brain with the consumption of sugar. And it's not just, I mean, the numbing of the brain put it in. And I like I started this to talk to you today about all of the sugar and the ADHD. But the fact is, just think of what we've gone through the last two years of this pandemic. And what is, it's numbing our brains, like all of the addiction that's coming out of it and everything else. Like, yo, this is the time period that we need to really take a hard look at the habits that we created in 2020 when it was the 14 days to flatten the curve that turned into God knows how long, because it only takes 21 days, right? 28 days to create a habit. Like, there's a lot of us. I just saw a stat the other day that they're saying the typical American put on 30 pounds in the last two years. Like that's not good for our health at all. So it is time to take a good, hard look in the mirror and really see what's going on. And we've got to make a commitment to ourselves to up our habits for good because again, the comorbidities, we know those that are not surviving COVID or having really bad effects with COVID is because of the comorbidities. Yeah, there are the other random things that just happen to fall out there, but we're seeing this. There's so much right now that's being like the floodgates have opened with the data that when I was saying it two years ago, in my community, I was called a conspiracy theorist and a quack. And the fact is, the data is actually showing up now as to what I was telling people two years ago. So let's really, I'm not sitting here saying like, hey, listen to me. The fact is, let's clearly look at the data and let's make sure we're making healthy habits for us, for our families. Let's be the role model for our kids. Let's be the role model for our communities. Let's be the role model for your extended family. To say that in 21 or 28 days from now, you created some amazingly good habits and we're shedding the 30 pounds that have happened over the course of the last two years. And we're creating a lifestyle change for the rest of your life. Because I don't want you at 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 saying, this is not what I intended. 
Let's pick up the pieces. Let's do it simple. And let's create some healthy habits for everybody. So here's the deal. I'm going to ask you if you love this episode, I want you to share it. I want you, um, if I could be so humbly, like to ask you for a review. It's something I've never done with my podcast. We've just started because I realized the silly algorithms that we have to play with this. But if you liked it, share it out. Um, Give us a review. I do read all your comments. I love your feedback. It helps me chart the course for the next go round of episodes. Um, If you're looking for a discovery call with me, you can book that. The links are all below. And, uh, you know, give a call at my office if we can help you out with chiropractic care. I am here to help you all reach better levels of health. And it needs to be healthy, vibrant health. (laughs) I want you to do this simply. I am here to help make healthy living simple. It does not have to be overly complicated. I'm here. I've got your back. Let's do this. Did you like that episode? If I may ask you a huge favor, I would love it if you went on over to Apple Podcast and gave us a review. I personally read each and every one of them as they come in, and I am always inspired by your feedback. So I would be so appreciative if you did that. And here is the legalese. All content provided by Dr. Lisa Olszewski and her guests in her programs, including this podcast, her website, summits, and other platforms, is for educational and informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of your physician or another qualified health provider before you make any changes to your health routine, especially related to this content. Ask your physician questions about medical conditions. No statement has been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and products mentioned or discussed in these programs are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I hear it all the time. How do I get my kids to eat fruits and vegetables? How can I get them to take a multivitamin? Or even for our adults, I hate fruits and vegetables. How do I incorporate some of the great benefits of this? This is why I created the Nourish Super Greens and Super Reds. You are going to love them. They are all organic. You have organic green blend and an organic red antioxidant blend. But what else I love about this... I brought in immune support as well. So we have such amazing superfoods, all of the different mushrooms that are in there, along with digestive enzymes. And you can just mix it into your smoothie. You can mix it into some water, but it tastes good. There are no added sugars. You're going to love it. So just click the link below or go to drlisao.com and click the shop button.